Yeah. So that was, that was a journey. When I first started, I remember I went down to Edward Jones and I wanted to buy a boat. Uh, I, you know, I, all my, I was 20, all my friends were going down to this reservoir and I only had enough money for a jet ski, but I thought, you know, if I invest this money, I'm going to be able to buy a boat. So I went down to Edward Jones and I had about $4,500 to my name. That was everything I had. And I gave this to Edward Jones and they put it all in one stock. And within three years, I couldn't go out to dinner what was with what was left. And I, I learned a valuable lesson there to me. You know, at the time I was very upset because it was everything that I had and I worked hard for that money. But I realized that nobody was going to look out for my money like I was. I had to be smarter. I had to know where my investments were going and I couldn't rely on other people to do this for me. You're listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast, where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their current portfolio allocation. Now to your hosts, Clark Sheffield and Jace Mattinson. Welcome back to another episode of the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast. This is episode number 267. I wanted to address a couple of emails that we've received recently. One of them, <laughs> one of the people, or I guess a couple of them, but one in particular has been asking for us as the host, which at this point now is just me, to do an update on kind of our situation and some things we've learned. And then we get this request a lot. In fact, I probably it's probably the most common request we get is, you know, hey, what have you learned? What uh, you know? What are the common themes of all these millionaires you've you've interviewed and everything like that? I, I think what we're gonna do and just to one, I will do an update on myself and probably wait uh, to do that when I have uh, another person to interview me, and or maybe I can just walk through some of this later. Then also kind of address some of these lessons because at any rate, it's interesting because. There are some similarities between all these millionaires, but the one thing that is is unique is, and one thing that we've really found out is, there's just no one way to to really do it. But we've got a bunch of data that we can get into, and, and some interesting statistics and stuff. So definitely plan on on doing something like that probably at the beginning or end of the year here, uh, 2022 or beginning of 2023. Put it on the calendar and. And make that happen because I've I think we're probably up to almost a half dozen requests in the last uh, two months uh, on this on this topic, whether it be me doing an update and or getting the lessons that we've learned out there. So we did do a couple like this back in the day. I just can't remember. And I went now that we've got so many episodes, it's, it's sometimes it's hard to search. Um, but I'll, I'll try to go through and and possibly email some of those back uh, to those individuals and then do a new one because I know I've got a lot of new listeners out there. So once again, appreciate you tuning in week after week. We'd love if it leave a review on either iTunes or Stitcher helps us continue to grow the show. So this week we got a great guest. His name is Brandon. He's an electrician. He also does motivational speaking after having a workplace accident. We have a great discussion with him about that and, and just really his career in general. He's a net worth around $2.6 million, 900000 of that's in rental equity. It's about 380000 in primary residence equity. 
And he's got a mi 1.2 million in his 401k, 260 of that is in Roth. And this is probably one of the very few guests that we actually discuss. I should say one of the very few guests that we've had on that started his, his retirement accounts when he was a teenager, 18 years old. Started with 50 cents an hour and uh, went up from there. So great discussion with Brandon this week. Great episode. Last week we had Bradley and net worth just over a million dollars. Buy, buy and hold type of guy. We discussed his journey about paying off debt, learning how to invest, and what to do when your employer didn't have investment options that you would prefer. Perhaps the biggest discussion we've had with anybody regarding a selection of a spouse or partner. So that's a great episode we, we had with Bradley. Let's get into this week's episode with Brandon. Brandon, do you want to just give us a little bit of your background and what you're up to now? Yeah, I, I'm an electrician. I just an everyday average person. I never went to high school or never went to college. I just kind of got a passion for finance and I ended up trying a few businesses. One worked, one didn't. Um, this has all been slow and sure. I, I really had no idea that I was doing as well as I was until uh, basically I hit my first million. And even then, I didn't think I was doing that well. And when I look around at uh, a lot of the other people that I considered wealthy, I was nowhere near their level. So I think, you know, what makes my story or my situation unique is I'm I'm nothing special. I'm just an average everyday person who likes to work and work hard. And I set goals and try to achieve them. So right now I work as an electrician full time. And then I also have a motivational speaking business that I started up uh, about three years ago. So I travel the country talking about a workplace accident that I had uh, being an electrician, and that has boosted my income quite a bit. But uh, that wasn't until the last three years that that really took off. Awesome. And what is your net worth today? It's between 2.6 and 2.7. I, I didn't look to see what the market does on a daily basis, and I haven't updated my properties but uh, I would estimate it at 2.6 to 2.7. Okay, and how is that broken up? I've got uh, about about 900,000 in rental equity. I've got 380 in a primary house in my personal house, and about 1.2 million in 401ks, of which 260,000 is in Roths. Wow! So you've got quite the diversification. And I'm assuming you said you're an electrician, but you also have this other business. Does the money from the electrician, has that been primarily what's funded all this up until, I guess, last couple of years? Yeah. Until three years ago, I think my highest yearly income was about 74000 Wow. My wife makes about the same. She makes a little more more than me. She made about 80. Uh, she went part-time once we hit about 2 million. I just decided I was working quite a bit and with three little kids, things were getting pretty hectic. So she cut back work a little bit and my wife works eight to two so she can be home with the kids before and after school. Awesome. So did you start contributing to retirement accounts when you first started working as an electrician back, I guess maybe that would have been when you were late teens. Yeah. When I was 18, I 
hated school when I was a senior in high school. You know, I wanted to get done. So I graduated early. I had to have a high school diploma to apply for an apprenticeship. So I went down, graduated in January. I went and applied in three different cities for this apprenticeship. And I thought, you know, I'll just move wherever I got in. So I got accepted into one of the apprenticeships. I was an 18-year-old kid with no experience. I started out at 9.26 an hour back in 1997. And I remember I filled out the 401k paperwork and I put 50 cents an hour in my 401k when I was 18. And then every time I got a raise, which was every six months to a year, I would put another 50 cents in. And I did that until I got to around three or four dollars an hour. But the other thing is I had a pension through work and it wasn't a pension where they pay you so much uh, per month. It's more of uh, we'll pay you a few dollars an hour into your four into a 401k type plan. And uh, so I had you know, a dollar an hour going in from that. And then I put in 50 cents. And as I progressed, by the time I was done, uh, my pension was putting in, by the end of my five years of schooling, my pension was putting in about $4 an hour and I was putting in about three. Wow. Do you, do you happen to know how much you've contributed versus how much has been growth in those retirement accounts? I don't, I I couldn't tell you that. I just, I knew, you know, through some family experiences, I watched my family, you know, my parents struggle, my grandparents struggle a little bit. And I just knew when I started at 18 working labor wise, when I was old, I didn't know if I was going to be able to do this. So I thought, you know, I've got to do this now. I didn't really even know what compound interest was. I just knew putting in your 401k was a good thing. And honestly, before I was making 926 as an apprentice electrician, I was working at the grocery store, mowing lawns, baling hay on the farm. So I had more money than I ever had. And that 50 cents, it didn't really affect me. Interesting. So what is that all invested in? Is it mainly in index funds or mutual funds? Or I am a huge fan of, of Jack Bogle and Vanguard. I have about, through my employee 401k or, or pension, they're both lumped together. I have about 580000 in those accounts through my employer. 80% of that is in the S&P. 500, 20% is in small cap S&P fund. I'm sorry, a small cap uh, Vanguard fund. So it, it wasn't always that way in index funds, right? Or, or when you first started, what did you invest in? Yeah, so that was that was a journey. When I first started, I remember I went down to Edward Jones and I wanted to buy a boat. Uh, I, you know, I all my I was 20. All my friends were going down to this reservoir, and I only had enough money for a jet ski. But I thought, you know, if I invest this money, I'm going to be able to buy a boat. So I went down to Edward Jones, and I had about $4,500 to my name. That was everything I had. And I gave this to Edward Jones, and they put it all in one stock. And within three years, I couldn't go out to dinner what was with what was left. And I, I learned a valuable lesson there to me. You know, at the time, I was very upset because it was everything that I had and I worked hard for that money, but I realized that nobody was going to look out for my money like I was. I had to 
be smarter. I had to know where my investments were going and I couldn't rely on other people to do this for me. What was the stock, Brandon? Uh, there was a local company. Uh, a lot of people in our area made a lot of money on it. I don't know the ticker symbol, but it was called McLeod USA. And um, basically the founder, he made hundreds of millions of dollars and a lot of local people did too, but I just got in at the wrong time. You know, I watched this thing go up, up, up. And I asked the lady at Edward Jones, you know, I said, you know, what do you think about this? And she said, yeah, I think it'll continue. And um, so I asked her if that's what I should invest in and if I wanted to make money. And she said, yeah, I think that'd be a good bet. You know, and I look back at that knowing what I know now, in no way would I tell a 20-year-old kid to put everything he had in one stock. Right. But I, I did not know. So do you still use Edward Jones or do you use a different financial advisor? No. So I, after that experience, I was pretty much done with the stock market. I didn't know anything. I just was in a target date fund at my work. I continued to put money in it. And I remember my wife got a job working as a intern for a property management company. And this guy, he told me once he was worth $50 million. And that was, you know, that was back in probably 2003, 2004, somewhere in there. And he'd have company parties and take us out in his limo and the guy just would spend money like no other. And I got to talking to him and I actually offered to go work for him for free. I just wanted to learn from him. And I thought, you know, if he owned a, probably a thousand apartment units and I think he had somewhere around a hundred houses and my wife would come home and just tell me all this money he would spend. And we drove by his house and I was like, I need to start buying houses. So I read the book, The Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and that was one of the most valuable books that I've ever read. And I just knew I had to get into real estate. So I was done with the stock market. I got done with my apprenticeship in around 2002. And the recession, there was a recession that hit. I don't remember what caused the recession in 2002, but I got laid off basically as soon as I got done with my schooling. I'm competing with people that have 10 and 15 years of experience, and I got laid off from my job, and there wasn't much going on construction-wise in the country. So I'm in a union, so I went out to Boston. Boston was booming. They had a lot of construction going on. And I just took a like a temporary worker almost. And I went out to Boston and I hit it big, in my opinion. Uh, that's what really catapulted me. I worked seven days a week, 12-hour days. And at the time, I was making $4,000 a week as a 23-year-old kid. And I tried to save as much of that money as I could. And I did that for about six months. And I came home after that job ended and I bought my first rental house, I put 20,000 down. I also paid off with that money. I paid off the second mortgage on my house. I paid my truck off and I took the remaining 20,000 and I put that down on my first rental property. I had uh, no money other than that $20,000. The house needed new carpet. 
So I put the uh, carpet on a credit card and I put new carpet in, in that house. And I remember my payment was six something, uh, let's call it 650. And I was running it out for 950. When I got my security deposit, which I definitely shouldn't have done, I used that to pay off my credit card and my carpet. <laughs> and then I had nothing else. And I knew I didn't want to pay 17 or 18% interest. So I slowly, over three months, I was able to put that deposit back. So when they moved out, I'd, I'd have the money to to pay them back. And uh, I was only making $300 a month on this house. And I kept thinking, you know, this is going to take me forever to save this up because, you know, I knew about PMI insurance. I knew I didn't want to pay extra PMI insurance. So I had to put down 20% on every house. And I would talk to this guy who had hundreds of houses and to find these other property management companies that these guys were just buying houses like crazy. And I, I couldn't wrap my head around where they were getting this cash flow. But I just kept working my overtime and I kept trying to buy houses. And uh, I had this friend and um, he he always did very well with his money. He taught me more than probably anyone else. But I remember we went on spring break one year and we were down in Florida and he left his ATM receipt on the table. And I saw this guy had $25,000 in his checking account. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. I mean, I was, I was 20 years old and I probably, you know, I was, had a new truck, a jet ski, all of this before I got laid off. And I thought, you know, I got to do things differently. And I started talking to him and I, I knew he had money. And uh, he kind of taught me, but another house came up that I wanted to buy, but I didn't have the down payment. So I went to my friend and I said, hey, do you want to go in on this house with me? And he said, yeah, how much do you need? I said, well, I've got 12,000. If you put down 12,000, we can go buy this other house. And he's like, all right, let's do it. And uh, we, we bought this house together and the agreement was that I was going to manage it and he would get half the equity. And I just wanted properties. So we did that and uh, I made the mistake. I rented out to five college students and they uh, had a fire out there one night and burnt the house down. So now I've got this oh insurance word. claim coming in and uh, I'm thinking they're going to, you know, I'm, I'm near my limits. They did $85,000 worth of damage to this $130,000 house. So I was right at the top of the limit. And my friend was building a house at the time. And he's like, I don't want to deal with this. I, I can't deal with this. So I bought him out. By that time, I had enough money saved up that I could buy him out. And now I'm dealing with the insurance company on my own. And I decide I'm going to do a lot of this work myself. I'm going to try to rehab this house, but I had never done a remodel. Before. And I went in there and, you know, did a lot of the work myself and we got all done. Uh, I spent every dime that the insurance company gave me fixing this up and we got done and they did their final inspection. And I'm thinking, you know, this is it. I, I made enough money, but this house is brand new and I've got a brand new house here. But I found out that uh, they were withholding $20,000 until it was done. So now I've got everything paid for on this brand new remodeled house. And they handed me a $20,000 check that I had no idea I was getting. And so I was so excited. I called my wife and I said, we got this $20,000. 
So I called up my realtor and I told him, I'm like, hey, I want to buy another house. So I did. I went and bought another house. Well, I didn't have a lot of money other than this $20,000, but now I'm cash flowing between the two houses, $700 a month. Plus I had my credit card. And so we went into this third house and we started remodeling it. And I ended up working a whole bunch of overtime. I'd work seven days, seven days a week, 10 hour days. And I was able to work enough overtime plus my 700 a month. And we did about a $15,000 remodel to this house and I got it all fixed up. So now I've got three houses and they're each making between three and 500 a month and I'm cash flowing pretty good now. So I'm, I'm feeling good about this situation. And my banker that I was using, he called me about a year later and he says to me, he says, Hey, there's this property manager. He went to jail. Um, would you be interested in buying this house? The city's taking all of his stuff and this is getting re repoed. And I said to him, I said, well, you know, what, what do I, how much is it? And he said, well, uh, it's a, the tax value on it's about $120,000 would you be interested in putting a sealed bid on it? And I said, you know, I don't know what to bid on this thing. Have you seen it? And he said, well, I can't tell you what the other bids are, but if you bid 65,000, you'll probably get it. So I put in a bid of 65,000 <laughs> and I got it. And I walked in there and this thing was just, it had cockroaches and fleas, but it was in a great neighborhood. And I went in there and we gutted that thing in about four to five weeks. I had four or five people that would help me and I'd pay them between 15, 15 and 20 bucks an hour cash. And we totally remodeled this house in about five weeks. So now I've got these houses and I'm up to around 2000 a month of cash flow. And my neighbor calls me and he says, Hey, the lady across the street had a brain aneurysm. Do you, uh, you interested in buying her fourplex? Well, now to buy this fourplex, I need 25% down and, and I didn't have it. So I went and looked at this thing and I was like, I got to have this thing. So I, there's no way I could let somebody else get this. And I just told my wife, I'm like, we have to buy this thing. So we're trying to scrape this money together and I give this lady the story, you know, I'm trying to get the money together and it's going to take me a little bit of time, but I'll, I'll manage the property for you so that you don't have to do anything. And she was nice and she strung it along for about six months until I could get some equity loans. I pulled equity out of my other three properties to buy this last one and I bought that for 130,000. So now I'm cash flowing pretty good. You know, I'm up to like 2,500 a month. And every time somebody moved out of one of those apartments, I'd go in there and I'd remodel it. And it'd take me a couple months to remodel it. And I'd pay for my cash. I would pay for the remodel with my cash flow. And, and at this and point, I got Brandon, that you're, working, you're working as an electrician full time at this point. How much are you making from that? I'm making about 50 to 60,000 as an electrician. And then every night after work from the time I was 18 till I was about 22, when I started buying houses, I was doing side jobs. So I would go out and I would wire houses. I'd pick up shingles. I'd tear off roofs. I'd mow grass, anything I could do to make a dollar. I was making those dollars. 
but I didn't know how to invest. And I remember, uh, you know, when 08 came around, I, I had 25,000 saved up and I had no idea what I was doing. And 08 came around, the stock market crashed and I'm watching all this stuff and I'm seeing Walt Disney, Caterpillar, um, um, let's see what else did I buy? Walt Disney, Caterpillar, oh, Wells Fargo, Bank of America. There might've been one other one, but I put $5,000 in each one of those stocks in 2008. And I thought, you know, if these companies go under, we've got big problems. So I put five grand in each one. Well, as soon as I doubled it, I got out. So I made $25,000 in like a year. And, and I doubled that real quick. And that was my first exposure to any type of stock market investing through Edward Jones. And except through Edward Jones. And that kind of boosted my confidence a bit. You know, I, I kind of thought I knew what I was doing at this point, but I still didn't trust anyone very much. So we took that 25,000 that we made and we bought a lot, paid cash for it, and we built a house. So things were going pretty good at that point. And um, we saved up around 100,000 pretty quick. And my wife came home to me one day and she said, you know, these guys that I work with, she she works at a bank, and she said, you know, these guys that I work with, they're getting 15 and 20 percent on these mutual funds. We got to do something different because we had all this money sitting in our checking account or savings account. So I went to this other financial guy, and he says, yeah, we'll we'll sign you up with all this stuff, and he did. And I told him, no front-loaded mutual funds. I didn't know a lot, but I knew what a front-loaded mutual fund is. And I got my first statement and I pulled out that statement and I put in the ticker symbols and I see that I've got a 5.75% front load and, and I'm mad. So I call this guy up and I had just invested 250,000, everything that we had with him. And we pulled it all out and went into Vanguard. And I really didn't know what I was doing at Vanguard, but this guy came into my office and was telling me about Vanguard. So I put everything at Vanguard and we just went into a target date or a life strategy fund at that point. And that was my first exposure to investing. Wow. <laughs> That's a pretty crazy story, Brandon. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. So you, I mean, just summing up what you just said and what you mentioned before we started recording the show, I mean, you didn't go to college. You had a, you mentioned you had a 2.2 high school GPA. I mean, all of this was just working hard, right? And grinding and working for dollars, as you just said. Yeah, I, I, you know, my friends used to call me and, and I missed out a lot on early in life. And I think it took me a little longer to grow up because, you know, a lot of my friends were going to college. They were partying, doing all this stuff. I couldn't do that. Every Friday and Saturday I was working you know, 12 hours. And every night I was working, uh, you know, I'd go to work from seven to three 30 and then from four 30 until 11, I would be doing side jobs or any type of hustle that I could to make extra money. But I didn't really know what I was doing with it. All I did with my extra money was, you know, I, I had a truck. I always wanted this, the Chevy Silverado truck. And I paid that off in two years. I bought it used. It had 8,000 miles on it but it was one year old and I got it and I just knew I didn't want debt 
you know, every time I signed up for one of those mortgages, I would lose two days of sleep. And I, I hated debt because I kept thinking, what if this house sits empty? What if they trash it? What if they don't pay rent? And any type of debt would give me severe anxiety. And I think a lot of that came from when I was a kid. I mean, my dad, he grew up, uh, I grew up on a farm and I think that's where I got a lot of my work ethic because my dad would work construction all day and then he would farm at night and on the weekends. And I don't, I didn't know anybody that worked harder than him and I always wanted to be like him. And I saw him struggle quite a bit out there on the farm in the eighties. You know, he'd be out there working and making no money, losing money, working very hard on the farm. And it was all for nothing. And I just saw that and I, I, I admired him for the hard work, but I saw him working for nothing. And I thought I, I got to do something different with my life. Wow, Brent, that's pretty amazing, you know, hearing this and seeing, you know, you go through this and go on this journey. At this point, you got a net worth 2627. You've got a career that, that you love. You've got a pretty well-diversified portfolio. How do you look at allocating the dollars now that come in uh, to, to your household? We have always tried to live within our means. So what I mean by that is my rental accounts are separate. My business account is separate. My everything that I bring in, I live on my paycheck and my wife's paycheck. So for instance, right now my paychecks, my take home pay is about a thousand dollars a week. And my wife's take-home pay after all of her deductions and she maxes out her 401k is about $500 a week. And we live on the $1,500 a week. Now, that $1,500 a week is we also save out of that. So we save $1,000 a month, plus we contribute to 529 accounts. It gets challenging sometimes. You know, I, I think what really gave me my head start or made it possible for me to do this is I worked like no other from 18 to 32 or so. And the other part of this is when I was 32, I, I got in a terrible accident at work. I nearly died. And I just decided after I recovered that I, I wasn't going to work like that anymore because if I would have died that day, I was sacrificing my quality of life. I wasn't spending time with my wife. We had a brand new baby. I was working nonstop and I just decided right then I was like, I'm, I'm not working like this anymore. And I stopped working overtime. I, I, at that point, you know, I had 750,000 or so of net worth, but I didn't think I was anything special. I still don't. I, I think I'm just an average everyday person, but I was able to compound that 750 and that's what did it. You know, some of these people that have three kids like I do now, and I look at what I pay in daycare and all of our expenses, I couldn't do this, you know, if I started at age 30, there'd be no way. The only way I did it was from 18 to 32, saving and buying those rental houses and contributing to my 401k. Because now, 
our expenses, you know, they still give it, they stress us out. You know, my wife and I just sat down and went through the finances and, you know, summer is very stressful for us because we have summer care. We have a 10 year old, we have a seven year old and we have a four year old. So in the summer, you know, we've got all the kids activities. We've got the summer sitter that drives them around and my other son goes to preschool. So our daycare expenses are, you know, close to $2,000, $3,000 a month. And, and that hurts when you're trying to live on $1,500 a month or $1,500 a week. I'm sorry that it, it gets very challenging, but, you know, we do have a savings that we can pull out of. And I always try to keep a ton of cash around just in case. So where do you go from here? Are you trying to target a a certain net worth or have that passive income built up from, from the rentals or what's, what's the plan? Well, I've got a couple thoughts. Um, I'm going to keep hitting it hard till I hit 5 million. I won't really feel too accomplished, you know, till I hit maybe 10. I, I'm going to work until we hit 5 million. At least my wife will quit working when we hit 5 million. I may quit work and do something I like more. Like I kind of want to go run heavy equipment, be a heavy equipment operator. That's something that I enjoy. I've thought about going and doing, um, being coaching people on personal finance. I don't think I have the education to be, go be a financial advisor so that probably is out, but uh, I love helping people. I help three or four of my older friends that are in their 60s, you know, discover Vanguard and kind of help them allocate things. But my goal is to get to five million and hopefully leave my kids. Um, if something happens to me, I want to know that my family's taken care of and leave my kids a nice inheritance. But, you know, I, I've got that set up in a trust right now and and it's probably going to stay that way you know i don't buy new cars i'm not going to have my kids go spend my money on new cars when i'm gone uh i think of that money as as a resource and i don't want it wasted do you carry life insurance yeah i've got uh 750,000 on myself my wife has 500,000 on herself i've thought about upping it to a million or you know i i I figure I will be financially independent probably right now, or when I hit 3 million, I'll feel better about it. But I really don't feel like I'm to my goal until I hit 5 million. And that would just mean at the 4% rule, I'd have a hundred thousand for myself and a hundred thousand for my wife per year. Brandon, do you think that needle continues to move as you start hitting those goals? Or do you really think, Hey, I hit that five. I won't be stressed out with expenses anymore you know, $10,000 here, $10,000 there won't bother me anymore. No, $10,000 is a big number to me. Um, right now there's a, you know, there's a UTV I want to buy and it's like $15,000 and then I have the money, no problem. I can go do it. But in my mind, I'm going, you know, that, that money won't compound. That's, that's gonna, that's adding resistance to my goal. That's like swimming up river. And I, I like spending money on, on experiences. If I go on vacation, I try to not put myself in a bad situation. Or what I mean by that, 
is I'm not going to go to Hawaii and put myself on a resort that's super nice with all of these expensive things around me to buy. I just feel out of place in those type of places. So, you know, like last year we went to Colorado, spent, you know, 3500 in the week. We drove there. That bothered me a little bit, just the, the amount of money that was going out. But at the end of it, I just looked at how much fun we had and I would do it all over again. But I I do get bothered with the when I start seeing thousands of dollars go out very quickly. No matter if it's one thousand or ten, it, it bothers me a little bit. What is that number that doesn't bother you? Is a hundred, two hundred? I can donate a hundred dollars to a charity or to a friend or, and that doesn't bother me. No hundred dollars, anything less than I would say 500. I don't, I don't think too much about, but that being said, I'll do it for other people, but for myself, I won't pay full price for anything. Uh, you know, if I want a pair of shoes, uh, my neighbor, she's a uh, physical therapist She'll give me a discount on my running shoes, uh, my shirts or my clothing. I don't spend hardly anything on clothing. I do a lot of speaking after my accident and I speak for a lot of different companies. So they'll give me some nice golf shirts and they might have uh, their company logo on them, but I don't care. I speak uh, about safety for, you know, on electrical safety and safety in general so a lot of these companies will give me clothing and I, I wear a lot of their jeans. They're nice looking clothes. You can't tell that they're work clothes, but if I have to go buy a pair of jeans, it's probably a pair of Wranglers at Walmart for 20 bucks. I just, I, I hate spending money on things like that. So it was an electrical accident that you mentioned, Brandon? Yeah, I got, I got pretty injured at work. And, you know, one of the first questions, uh, a lot of the guys at work ask me, you know, did you get this big settlement and that's where you got your money? But I got $30,000 from, from my accident. Wow. So as you were talking about that, you said you kind of came to a realization that you weren't going to work as much, right? You had this young baby, you had this kind of maybe this life flashing moment. As you look back now and how much you've worked and how much overtime you worked and going so strong at, you know, working seven to four or five, whatever you said, and then working overtime and working on these houses. Do you regret that extra time that you put in and how much you worked back then or being where you're at now? Do you consider it at all worth it? No, I think uh, it was definitely worth it because now I look at it as I'm buying my time back. I don't have the energy that I had from 18 to 32 and after work, I focus on my kids and my family. I, you know, I work eight hours a day, but I'm not even interested in overtime. I mean, I'll do it if, if they absolutely need me, but I'm, I'm not raising my hand asking for it. You know, I, I look at my net worth and it, it went up, I think 440,000 last year. So my overtime isn't going to, it doesn't really register that I, I know I'm wasting my time working at overtime. I need a job to provide health insurance, to continue to contribute to my 401k and continue to build my net worth. But I don't need to be at work every second to continue to uh, get to my goal of 5 million. Uh, family time is more important to me 
but I'm very grateful that I, I did that from 18 to 32 and I'm going to try to instill that in my children because I feel like if you do the work at the beginning, you have a lot easier life later on. You know, when I was growing up, my parents, there was a lot of stress about money and I heard a lot of fights about money. And I just remember thinking when, when I'm an adult, I'm not, I'm not going to have these worries. I'm, I'm going to do things differently. And, and I didn't know what that was going to be until later on in life. But, uh, I, I think everyone needs a mentor, someone to show them the rope, someone to help them. And my grandpa was pretty successful. He helped me a lot. Uh, just, and he was very frugal, but you know, he would go buy a new Cadillac every three years. Cause that was something he liked, but he would write, he would pay cash for it. And I remember going with him right, watching him write out one of those checks. And I, I just thought to myself, this is how you should do it. Um, you know, and, and he could do anything he wanted to do, but he chose to live a pretty frugal life other than his new Cadillac. But, uh, I learned a lot of lessons from him. How old are you, Brandon? I'm 42. So any regrets in how you've done it so far? No, I, I think if I could go back in time, I think one of the, I, I would have started at Vanguard at the beginning. I'm not sure if I ran the numbers, the houses or the 401k, which one would have been better. I think it would have been a wash. If I could go back, you know, I probably would have tried to put more in my 401k. I, I just put on my 401k out of, cause I knew you should. I, I, I wish I would have done it till it hurt, till it really hurt. And, and I didn't do that. Uh, I put some in and my pension helped boost that to where it probably should have been, but I could have put a lot more in. And, uh, I, I, I think I could honestly, and I tell this to all the young people that I work with, if I could go back and do it over again, I think I could have double what I have right now. Why? Just because it would have started compounding faster. Well, I would have, I would have worked two jobs and I would have maxed out my 401k, whatever it took from as early on as I could. I mean, I was putting in $3, but I, you know, I should have been putting in until it hurt when I was young. And, and I'm going to make sure that my kids know that when they get done with college, I want them when they get their first job, that's going to be, you know, you're going to max out your 401k. I, I mean, obviously I can't force them but I'm going to strongly suggest and show them on paper that the second you get a real job, you know, you need to live very, very frugally. I'm a huge fan of Toyotas. Uh, I, my kids are going to have a Toyota Corolla and I'm hoping that they will, you know, keep their expenses very low and make maxing out that 401k a priority as early as possible. I, I think that was the key for me. Yeah, so let me just flip to the allocation real quick. And, and sorry if I missed this. How many units now do you have on the on the real estate side? I have the fourplex and four houses. Everything's paid for except one house. I have uh, I owe eighty two thousand on one of the houses. I have enough cash right now. I could pay it off, but I, you know, I I'm a huge fan of Warren Buffett, and you know when I listen to him talk talk about, you know, being Fort Knox and having, obviously I'm never going to have billions of dollars sitting on the sidelines like he does, but I like to make sure that I have enough cash that I can get myself out of any scenario possible. 
And on on that real estate, what's your total cash flow after the payments that you do have and any expenses, taxes, insurance? What what are you netting a month? Uh, five thousand ninety two dollars. Not that anybody's counting. <laughs> I <laughs> That's a lot. Sixty thousand dollars a year. You ever I think just, about walking away from the W two? No, I. I, again, I separate that money. So the only thing I've ever bought with my rental money is my, I bought a battery drill and an impact. And then I pay for half of my 529 accounts. Right now we put in about $800 a month for 529s and I pay 400 and my rental account pays 400. Got it. Well, let me just ask you a couple rapid fire questions here and then we'll end with some last words. So what's the most expensive car you've ever purchased? I was uh, not very smart one time and I always wanted my wife to have a nice car and I bought her a $34,500 used Buick Enclave. Uh, We got rid of it three years later and we lost $18,000. And I was like, I am never mm. doing that again. Okay. Most expensive meal out that you've personally paid for? Uh, for our anniversary last year, we went to dinner and got some drinks. I think it was $140. Okay. Most expensive vacation? I would say Mexico. Maybe we spent 5000 Okay. Most expensive non a uh, non-car, non-house purchase. Most Maybe that expensive. ATV or most expensive item, not a car, not a house. Probably a basketball hoop for my daughter was $1,600. Okay. What's worth the money to you and what's not worth the money? I think experiences are worth the money. You know, I I love taking my kids on experiences, vacations. Uh, you know, I pay for club sports for my kids to make sure that they have the most opportunities what's not worth the money to me is fancy cars uh, flashy anything you know i'm a big toyota fan i don't think i'll ever drive anything except a toyota again i want the new toyota tundra but i I just can't spend that kind of money yet Um, you know anything that depreciates in value that was one of the big biggest things that I learned from rich dad, poor dad was the difference between an asset and a liability. And once I determined what an asset was and what a liability was, that, that really helped me decide where I needed to put my money. And, uh, that was a big help for me. Yeah. It makes sense. So final words here, Brandon, if someone asks you for advice, I mean, what's the, what's the short and sweet of it? What, what do you say? How were you able to do this? I think you need to start young. Uh, I think one of the best pieces of advice I ever received was live like a broke college student for 10 years. After that, it won't matter. uh, When someone gave me that advice, I really didn't understand what he was saying until it was 10 years later. And I thought about it, but it always stuck with me because it was someone that I really had a lot of respect for. Stay out of debt. I I think, uh, you know, I I paid my mortgage off and, you know, I hear a lot of people say, well, it's low interest and all of this, but, you know, if, if you have to write a check out for the full amount of something, it's, it's much harder to do that or part with those funds than it is to just sign up for a monthly payment. 
you just think about things as it's uh, only so many dollars a month, you way overspend, or at least I do. So I've, I've always tried to make sure that if, if I don't have the money for something, I don't buy it. I haven't had a car payment in 15 years, but I don't, I don't have fancy cars. You know, I, I drove the same truck for 18 years. I, I had a bungee cord holding my, my car fender on for a while. And I could have easily went and bought a new car, but I, I just wanted to drive those into the ground. I think starting young and living like a broke college student is was was key for me in vanguard i i don't think you know anyone looks out for the investor like vanguard does i'm a huge i'm a huge in recommending vanguard to any person that i can i would say most of my assets are in vtsax or the total stock market index and uh that's if i could go back in time that's what i would tell people is you know vanguard vtasax i i read the a simple path to wealth, and uh, that pretty much laid out what I had done for the next 50, the last 15 years. I was doing everything that that guy said. I just didn't know it or write the book. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, thanks for thanks for sharing your story, Brandon. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. So net worth of 2.5 as an electrician, Brandon. Thanks for sharing your story. Really appreciate it. All right, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast with Clark Sheffield and Chase Mantinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website at millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.